Hey all, wanted to take a second before the pod to shout out our week's dedication. This one goes out to my buddies Josh, James, Parks, and Dan, who uh, all donated to my No Shave November impromptu charity drive thing. Uh, they raised $230. 200 bucks went to prostate cancer charities. Another $30 went to a men's mental health uh, thing fighting mental health stigmas you guys are awesome uh if i can get even one person to participate i'll do it again next year and uh yeah here's the pot Welcome back to another Busted Header Podcast. I'm Chris, a.k.a. Not the Fake Webby on Twitter, and infamous web on Reddit. As usual, I am joined by Jake, who answers to Helbreus on Twitter and also on Reddit. He's also infamous web on Tinder. <laughs> Not anymore. I'm tied down, you know that. Look, rings. Not rings. Where are the rings? But it's, it's, been, a, it's been a fair relationship. It's, it's been a pretty good amount of time, so. All I'm saying... As I don't believe the account is cleared. It's been nearly a year and some change now. Poor girl. Alright, so anyways, enough of that. <laughs> so we're going to review all the trades the Pistons made over the last week and a half. The kind of whirlwind time. And then also review the signings that we got. And kind of rate them on a scale of how, as a GM, how good of a job we thought Troy Weaver did. And how they're going to fit into the team. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump in. <laughs> All right, so the first move we're going to talk about is probably going to be the one that you've heard about the most, the one that was talked about the most, um, which is the kind of <laughs> semi-blockbuster trade the Pistons made, um, sending out Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard. Um, so from the Pistons' end, after it was a kind of a massive three-way trade in the end between the Clippers, the Nets, and the Pistons, um, in the end, the Pistons ended up sending out Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, three second-round picks from 2024 to 2026, and then I believe a protected Portland pick in 2023. Um, in return, we got, most importantly, the 19th pick, which turned into Sadiq Bay, which we talked about a little bit on the last pod. I think we were both pretty happy with the pick. Jake liked it a lot more, a lot more than me. He was very excited about that, that's for sure. Is, is there anything, like any single thing where you're like, this is something Bay doesn't do? Like, what what are you concerned about with Sadiq? I would say in terms of his skills, I don't have any questions about it. It seems like he'll fit great into the NBA. Um, I'm just worried. I'm always kind of apprehensive to draft a 21-year-old to a team that's in a rebuild. Like, someone like that, obviously there's exceptions to that, and I think the Suns did a pretty good job uh, with that last year with their first round pick whose name escapes me out of North Carolina we both wanted for the Cam Johnson of- Cam Johnson I was, <laughs> I was thinking Josh Johnson for some reason um, <laughs> but so the, I was kind of apprehensive about the Suns picking them last year partially because I wanted them on the Pistons but also because having an older prospect going to a young team I'm just unless he really makes a jump I'm kind of unsure about it and Sadiq I feel like is a little bit of that I think he does have a lot of potential um, to turn into kind of a like a Robert Covington style, very important like fourth fourth starter on a team. But I mm, there's just a lot. 
I'd just rather take someone who has a high upside, a high potential there, personally. Well, I think the the thing I'd say to to offset that or give you a little bit of hope is I think Sadiq can eventually become a bit more of a ball handler than Robert Covington is. I don't think he's going to be the lockdown defender Covington is, but I think the the one thing that stood out to me with Bay was was that he was running some pick and rolls and uh, showed some cleverness on the ball that might eventually give him a higher ceiling than you might expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just for picks like that, I just kind of look into the like the R.J. Hampton, the Tyrese Maxey, kind of the super high potential, but can also fail spectacularly players. And I well, don't I'd, worry, we got that guy at sixteen. <laughs> well. <laughs> We'll get to that a little bit later when we cover the the trade that got us Isaiah Stewart, but uh, with him, I'm just I don't know how he kind of fits more um, in the Pistons in the NBA as a whole. Uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, to some of the rest of that, we also got Rodney McGruber, which do you even expect him to really get into the rotation on the Pistons more than maybe like a couple fringe minutes? Okay, so it's a D. I I, I... McGruder. <laughs> McGruder. Not McGruber. <laughs> <laughs> he he hasn't screwed up anything yet for us. That was more <laughs> handwriting than anything else. <laughs> I think I wrote Gruber. Uh, but I don't I don't know. That's a hard one. I don't think he's gonna see time. Like in unless, um, like if Derek Rose gets traded, then maybe he would see more time because I would assume that. Um, uh, do you have him on the, Dylan Wright? There he is. Mm-hmm. I would assume that Dylan Wright. Uh, then becomes like the point guard and maybe isn't because right now I see him as a shooting guard. Yeah, he's um, kind of in between the two. It's kind of hard to tell sometimes. Right. So I would think Magruder would get more serious time. Now I don't really know. Uh, at best, he's the backup guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially with the Wayne Ellington signing, I feel like there's a lot of overlap between those two. And I kind of, maybe it's just I saw Wayne on the Pistons before, but I kind of like Wayne Ellington a little bit more over Magruder personally yeah I, I don't i don't see a whole lot from a gruder myself yep so kind of what i see with him is a five million dollar cap hold that's just kind of sitting there uh for the rest of the year um, i mean i i think the plan was to stretch him and then they found some moves that meant they didn't have to stretch him yeah so he's kind of accidentally still here <laughs> yeah um also in that trade we got uh design nope design musa sure close now zanin Zanin. That was another. Yeah, just, just ignore the D. Zanin. Zanin. Okay. That's a lot more simple. Yeah. Um, we also got the 2021 second round pick from Toronto, which I don't believe was protected. Correct? That was just going to be a bad second round pick, essentially. Um, we got allegedly $1.5 million in cash, which was supposed to be going to some of the buyouts. And then we got Jalen Hands, which, what is the Jalen Hands? I still <laughs> haven't quite got the answer on that. Jalen Hands is is what happens when a really good athlete dominates in high school and then gets drafted to the NBA because he's a really good athlete and then doesn't have any actual skills. Rough. So he's going to be a G League guy. He's yeah. kind of a point guard nominally, but yeah, I was not a huge Hands fan in that draft. I really don't know what he does. He doesn't shoot or score efficiently in any way, and he's not a playmaker. Um, he's got some defensive tools, but like, I think Saban Lee's a better prospect than him, and I'm not that crazy high on Saban Lee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 
No, I, I kind of liked a little bit of what I saw out of Saban Lee. So, I'm not... I didn't like when we were kind of reviewing him in that post-draft. Just some of the highlights I saw of him, so... <laughs> Which is never a I mean, great I, way to judge I wasn't, someone. I wasn't crazy about Jordan Bone when we drafted him either. Now, Bone was a lot more proven in college, but, like, Bone stepped into a an NBA spacing and an NBA system, and it was like, oh, right, that just kind of, like, unlocks this pick-and-roll aspect to his game, and... Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that happens for Saban Lee. I, I don't know. Well, much like Jordan Bone, we did lose a lot of good prospects in this trade, which honestly for me I think is what kind of seals this as some, a trade I didn't like. Giving up Bruce Brown, especially a second-round draft pick, someone who you have on a cheap contract for this year and he's a cheap cap hold for next year. Luke Kennard, another young, talented player that could be very useful on a team like this. And also, as I think has been talked about, a bit more at length than it really needs to be for second-round picks. But three second-round picks that are the Pistons that will likely be pretty bad picks. Like, I'm not confident in this team in 2024 making the playoffs. So I feel like that's a lot to give up to essentially get a first-round draft pick. And not much else I see with much future value. And you also have to take Magruder's contract for another year as well. Right. So let's pretend you like Musa. I don't. <laughs> but let's just pretend that you like you get him Joe and pod that you to value that him. One? Because I think he's the only person I've seen that actually is giving well, him like, any he, chance. He brings up a good point, which is that Musa like, has... like he, I, I always say when I, when I do draft analysis, like what are your NBA skills? You know, Do you have something that I can count on you for? And Musa does have one that's pretty valuable in his free throw drawing ability yeah, getting the line but, but the the way he gets there scares me yeah i'm not a huge musa fan but let's pretend you like him and you and you know so maybe there's value there i, I still think the bruce brown like just it was basically bruce brown for musa in a second rounder right yeah and a that's what it cash. originally started as. that was kind of the first thing we heard mm-hmm. and then it got wrapped into the luke canard deal yep even if you like musa i don't think that's good value no um, we taking Luke Kennard's deal separately and, and out of this for a second. Bruce is a guy that clearly a competitive team in the Nets wants, so that mm-hmm. should tell you something. Yep. Um, he's got a high value NBA skill set in that he can defend like Harden level guards, and he was he's grown as a shooter and a playmaker every year. Mm-hmm. That it's just really concerning, especially when you hear. You know, everybody coming in said, "Oh, uh, Troy Weaver really likes athletes." Yeah. You know, that was the the prototype in in OKC was we draft the athletes, we draft the what's the Kentucky uh, Diallo, like Hamadou oh, Diallo, Diallo. Or, and oh. stuff like that. Yeah. Like, okay, but you got rid of Bruce. Mm-hmm. Like Bruce is everything you expect to get out of a second round pick, and even though and I'm saying honestly. he. You know, even though I'm saying he's a valuable guy in my mind, I don't think he was going to be a guy that was going to hit you hard cap-wise on his next no. contract. No. Like, if Bruce got the full mid-level, yeah, that, was his that would be outrageous. Ceiling. That's his yeah. absolute ceiling. If he just went off this year, which was very so, unlikely to happen. So you're trading a guy that I think has value, that most of our fans seem to think has value, that the Nets seem to think has value, and that really isn't, you know, this is like Luke at least was sliding slightly to him for a second. Luke at least mm-hmm. we were kind of thinking, okay, he might be worth like $15 million. Yeah. You know, he might be worth more than the MLE, significantly more than the MLE. 
Um, and if there's concerns about his health, whatever, like, at least that's a concern. Mm-hmm. But being it, asked to pay Bruce six million dollars isn't a concern. And if Bruce goes off this year and is a playmaker and like shows that he's everything he's been progressing towards, even then it's like okay, you're paying Bruce fourteen million dollars, but like he's the perfect complementary player to everything, mm-hmm. any lineup. Then it like it, that just does not make sense to me. Yeah, and I think we can talk about the Bruce Brown trade. I think both of us hate that pretty badly, and I. I'm yet to see an actual good defense in that, unless you just think Moose is going to actually be a bench contributor, which I don't see anywhere in his career. Um, but kind of transitioning onto that Luke Kennard uh, trade, and I agree that, yes, he could have made upwards of you know, 15, 16, somewhere in that range, a uh, million dollars, but there's a couple things that comes with that. One, if he gets that big of a contract, it means that he earned it. <laughs> and right now, he's not earned that yet. He's looked good in flashes, but he hasn't been able to put it together for a full season yet. So I I don't know if I agree he, about he that. He looked good last year, but I I don't think there's a team in the league that's going to pay him sixteen million dollars after after last season. Like if he was a free agent right now, I don't see a team offering him that. Maybe ten, maybe twelve, but not like sixteen and upwards. He had a good playoff series against the Bucks, the only guy on the team basically that did. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to find his basic stats here he was 16 four and four um with efficient turnover numbers that's a starter no i agree i think he's a valuable player but i don't think he was i don't see a team that was going to offer him that type of money and then the second part of that is that he's also going to be a restricted free agent which means that we give him the opportunity to go out and sign a better contract and then we get the chance to match it or we can let him go so if the money is too much then you can let him go and what are we losing the 19th pick in exchange for four second-round picks, essentially. Or three, if you really want to get down to it. Right. Well, so that that is the... What is the opportunity cost of keeping him? You know, yep. contract-wise, you've flipped his money uh, for um, Sadiq's money. Sadiq mm-hmm. is a, a little further down in the pick range, but he's still going to make, like, what, $6 million I have for- on here as making 2.689. Oh, well, so that's I would, I would a say his money was more flipped for Magruder's because their money matches up pretty equally. Oh, well, so how much was Luke on? Luke, I want to say, was close to five he was and a half. 12th. Yeah, so Luke is 5.2. Yeah. So you're saving just in that flip, you're saving 2 million off the cap sheet? I mean, if you're doing it based off of the Sadiq Bay and not based off, well, so, so I'm just uh, so, so here's here's what I'm thinking, and like you're right, Magruder's there. I'm just looking at this like, what do you get? What do you lose other than the pick? We can, and I think there were mm-hmm. other ways to secure that pick if we wanted that 19th pick. Yeah. Um, but what do you lose by not having that five? Point two million or whatever on the cap sheet. You're saying what are the pistons? Because like they like, they initially said, oh, and we'll stretch Rod Rodney Magruder, right? Yeah. And so Rodney becomes, you know, like you're not saving money. No. So I don't I don't get that. No. I I don't I don't get what Clint, like the worst possible thing that could have happened by keeping him on the roster was that Luke Kennard becomes totally worthless to you. Mm-hmm. And you let him go for nothing. Yep. 
And, and that's basically what we've done already. So, I, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. And especially look at kind of the value that Luke had in the trade deadline prior. It sounded like he could possibly be going for a first-round pick to Phoenix. So someone could say, like, hey, you know, we still got a first-round pick for Luke Kennard. You did, but it's a much worse pick than what was possibly available from Phoenix. We, obviously, we don't know what the deal would have been. Well, right. But I imagine it would have been some sort of, at, at most, a protected first-round pick of theirs. So I feel right. like you could have, have a hard time with this one because, like, that was the Ed Stefanski front office. Mm. Well. And so the question is now, is this the Ed Stefanski front office or is this Troy Weaver's front office? Which one of them is the one that's valuing Luke Kennard? Mm-hmm. Because Stefanski has a history with Detroit of basically doing other teams' favors. Yeah. That's really, basically every one of his transactions has been a favor to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, I can't think of a trade where we came out ahead. The, the, uh, he did the Bullock trade and I guess yeah. Svee has ended up being yeah. probably a positive. But like, somewhat better, but it still was very questionable at the time. Right. So. And at the time I didn't like it. And to be honest with you, I'd rather have Reggie Bullock. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I, I have concerns about that. I I just if this is if this is him, then we're looking at free agent contracts that weren't you know, we'll get into this but but and I like the free agents more than most people, but these are yeah. free agent contracts that aren't considered deals. No. Especially, you know, maybe maybe yeah. they're not Stan Van Gundy free agent contracts we don't know yet you know we'll, we'll see how they play and how they value um but these are these certainly aren't steals mm-hmm. and we're not trading and getting clear victories in this trade yeah so if this is stefanski what are we getting out of ed yeah you know at, at this point is he necessary? Like, f- people will say, oh, Ed cleared the, you know, he cleared the stink out of the room so that we could get a, a GM like Troy Weaver. That's something that uh, I think Laz Jackson has, has kind of said a few times. If that's the case, his job is done. Yeah, why is he here at that point? And I don't need him anymore. If this is Weaver approving some of this stuff, I'm concerned because it he clearly he doesn't have a value system either. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like we don't have the person in the room who's just willing to say, hold up, why? So anyways, moving on, speaking of Pistons doing deals for other teams, um, (laughs) I want to get into the, (laughs) I'm going to simply put it, call it the Zaire Smith confusion <laughs> because I was still trying to get this even prior to us getting on the pod but essentially what the Pistons ended up doing was trading cash to Utah for Tony Bradley and Saban Lee which are the second round traffic that turned into Saban Lee the 38th pick um, and then we immediately sent Tony Bradley out to Philadelphia brought Zaire Smith in and subsequently Roy had been stretched him which we'll get into Wade and stretch further in the podcast a little bit more um, but I, I'm still kind of perplexed by it. I guess I kind of forgot that Sam and Lee was a second round pick that came out of that, but 
getting a two-way player just to stretch another player, I still haven't... Obviously, I don't, I don't hate this trade. I'm just very... I guess we're helping people out, which is goodwill throughout the league, but I'm just... Hmm. Well, so it, it's interesting, because like on draft day, I thought this was a pretty good win for Detroit. Yeah. I, I liked it at the I, time, I've, getting Tony You know, Bradley. Saban Lee was the, the appropriate kind of gamble to make. You're not giving up anything bad, and... Uh, Tony Bradley's a guy who had a pretty good season last year, looked pretty promising, and you know we were stacked at center, but he's he was going to be a guy that I would have said was the second guy in the rotation. Yeah, he's the he's the kind of guy that you want to take a chance on on a rebuilding team. That's why I think we both kind of liked it at the time. Was right. He's, well, he's and, and he's a, he's team. a pretty stable defender and. You know, the the one concern we had when we made it was, well, we just drafted this Isaiah Stewart kid. Mm. So there was a roster conflict there. But at the same time, I don't think Isaiah Stewart's necessarily ready for the NBA right now. No. So I, at the time, I thought it was a good deal. And then we flip him for Zaire Smith. And Smith is a guy who, if this had been before Smith's injuries and his allergy reaction, mm-hmm. this would have been considered a win. But then we do it just to get off a little bit more money so that we can sign Wayne Ellington. Yeah. There was only a couple hundred thousand difference between the two. But. And, it's, and it's, not even, it's not even that we had to get off the money, as far as I understand it, to sign Wayne Ellington. I'm not entirely sure of how they ordered all this and how they, me- they, they mechanized you know, the, the cap rules to their advantage. But yep. like Wayne was basically signed on a minimum. Yeah, I believe Wayne was... Was he not? He was. He was on a, a veterans minimum. So yeah. So that like, one we could. You don't at any need point. cap space to do that. No. You can sign anyone to a minimum. Once you get to the luxury so, tax, then it gets a little spicy. But you don't need right, cap. Well, yeah, to do we, that. we don't need it here. So <laughs> it it was just one of those things where it's like I'm not sure why we did this just to save a token piece of money. But and you might hear this a lot from me, but that seems like another opportunity where we could have got a second round draft pick. It's like, hey, we're gonna do you this favor. We're gonna give you Tony Bradley, who's a decent prospect. We're going to take Zaire Smith, who you don't want out of here. Give us a second-round draft pick for it. But as evidenced all over the place, this front office does not care for second-round draft picks. No, they whatsoever. have zero value. Yep. So, and and I would love to know like why, because Ed Stefanski is also the guy who has traded for multiple second-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. He <laughs> traded for the Kyrie. Was I can't remember if it was Kyrie Thomas or Bruce Brown was the one. It Kyrie was, was the no, one we traded was, for, right? And then Bruce was our pick. You're saying we traded like the multiple second round draft picks? I think it was well when Cervitas, we when right? he fir- his, when he first came in, one of Bruce or Kyrie was. I think it was we, Kyrie didn't, we didn't even we have traded, a first rounder yeah, that draft. We traded because, two draft picks to the 76ers, ironically, for Kyrie Thomas. Okay, it was Kyrie. Ta- so so he traded two for Kyrie Thomas. So he wanted a second round draft pick. He clearly values the pick. Then he he's traded the like the four for <laughs> Davidas Servetus, and yeah. then he traded for um, Saban Lee. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just stopped fucking trading second-round draft picks, you could have picked these with the picks we had. Also, I want to take a note that we also traded a second-round draft pick to the 76ers for Jordan Bowen as well, who is now gone. So Right. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah. 
right. and I, I still don't quite know why he's gone. But so yeah, concerns. I don't really get it. Clearly, we have you know a, a mandate from ownership. I think, I you know I think to be fair to Tom Gore's, I think he said for the last couple of years, I'm willing to pay if you put a winning team on the floor. Yep. And I also think he said, y'all want to tank, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm not paying a damn thing for it. (laughs) Yeah, don't make me go over the tax. And to be honest, that's kind of fair. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm not mad at it, um, but some of this waving and stretching is definitely funky. I mean, it's less than $4 million, so it's not the worst thing in the world, but We'll, we'll get more into that later. I got a, I got a specific spot I want to talk about that in. So we're going to move on to another kind of similar boring eat your vegetables trade that also involved a wave and stretch. Um, so this one was us trading Kyrie Thomas and Tony Snell for Dwayne Dedman. Um, I, I forgot that this happened. Yep. Because <laughs> it, was, it was quiet. I believe the Hawks immediately waived Kyrie Thomas, who was not on, I think he was on an expiring deal anyways. Yes. Um, but I believe they still have Tony Snell. I want to say. I think that's true. So I don't, I haven't, I don't remember hearing anything about him being waived or whatnot. Um, so it's another trade where I feel like we gave up someone of value in Tony Snell. How much value he has, yet to be seen. But we did that to get Dwayne Denman, who we're essentially just going to wave and stretch. And he's just going to sit there and we're not going to make any use of him. So another one where it's like, hey, could we get a second round pick or two in this? Can we replenish the stock that we've just thrown to the wind of second-round picks? Why are we not getting anything else back? I don't think we had that kind of leverage in this one. But what what did they... I think it was obvious to the Hawks that we wanted the Deadman's contract for the the special ability to wave and stretch. So we basically traded... To get off money, so we can't ask for stuff back. Mm. You know, I, I don't. I mean, this I, I, I think that I don't issue. think they've used their leverage properly in a lot of these deals. I don't think this is one. I'm this not. Kinda, I'm not mad at the the value of this deal this because I I, I wasn't a huge about, Snell fan to be honest with you. I thought he was okay. I thought he was lukewarm. He Snell, was little, Snell was the kind of guy where like. We started out, and I thought Snell was, like, this really good player. And then, like, we got to a point where I realized that Snell was giving up way more on defense than he should and just, like, was not nearly the player he was supposed to be on defense, and he was making almost, like, $12 million. Mm-hmm. And just it, it was just like, I, I don't I don't want it. I'm, I'm not here for it. He's not helping us win. He's not helping us lose. I'm don't not, get me wrong. Tony Snell is not gonna. He's not winning you basketball games. He's very much a role rotation player, and his he is overpaid. He's making eleven, almost twelve million. I don't think anyone right now is gonna pay Tony Snell nearly that amount of money. But at the same time, he's a contract you already have. I at a whole. I understand that we're only stretching. It's gonna be about three to four million. I think it's four once you include the Zaire Smith contract as well. But it's just more of the thought of. We're, we're sending out someone of value, marginally some, and Tony Snell to just get a contract to get rid of. And I felt like there were other ways to make that money, make that money open up for the moves that we made. So we'll touch on that more when we get into the free agency section. But well, just how, another, how would you have opened up that money? I guess. 
Well, we have very tradable assets in the team. One I thought was Luke Kennard, who we traded him and got back about equal money. Another one would have been uh, Derek Rose, who's also on you know, a, a mid-level exception contract, but something that's very tradable, and I'm still concerned and confused why he's still on this roster, because it makes me feel like they want to kind of contend. They want to I kind as- of... I assume they think that Rose is going to have better leverage at the end of the window. At the, yeah, but if you want to make a move, I feel like you got to get off an asset that's going to be better than but waiting like and stretching Rose, something over five Rose years. Rose was worth five, four and a half million less than Snell. He was worth less, yes, but the contract that we signed could have fit him in there, though. Because, so like I said, I we'll just, get to this later, but the contract we ended up getting was Mason Plumley for essentially that cap like space. I, I, I think... The defense of that is that I don't think Snell was that valuable. Kyrie Thomas is just a throw-in. Yeah, Kyrie um, Thomas was just to equal I out think, some cap money. I well. think Deadman's contract was something that was valuable. I think they knew that. And I also think that they want to get assets for Derrick Rose. You know, I, th- I think they want leverage with Derrick Rose. I think Dwayne Deadman's contract would have been valuable to a team like Charlotte, who was desperately trying to sign a top-level free agent. I don't feel like we needed to desperately sign a top-level free agent. And the fact that we used the money that we're stretching on Dwayne Dedman to get Mason Plumley is, like I said, we'll talk about it later, but it's just we not. We didn't use it for Plumley. We used it for Plumley, Grant. No, because Grant was a sign-and-trade. Mason Plumley was the one that we signed into cap space. Grant only became a sign-and-trade after we did some other stuff. They didn't intend to sign him. with you. In order to, I, to get a sign-and-trade at all, they had to have the ability to do it the way they did. To my understanding, I haven't, I guess, haven't seen it spelled up specifically, but we have about a shade over eight million in cap space and leftover right now, and Plumley was that eight million. So I feel like we could have made the money work to sign Grant on a with a different way of going about it than waving and stretching Deadman over all these years. But I think there might have been a better deal, either for Derrick Rose or at the very well, least. The, and the, the, uh, the one thing I the, – the bigger question for me here is did they have leverage to trade Deadman? That's another good question. I feel like, you know, like I, said, I, a team I, like Charlotte could have used him. Well, <laughs> so Charlotte could have used him, but also, like, Deadman's good. Like, I don't yeah. think – and we'll, we can get onto this more with Plumlee's signing later. I don't think he's as good for this team as Plumlee. I don't think he's that valuable to someone like Killian as a partner. Hmm. But he is like a functional NBA player that like a team like the Lakers could have wanted or something. Yeah, you know now the they don't have now. space. But yeah. like, was there a competitive team? You know, like the Sixers. Did they want him? Did you know who? Somebody probably wanted him. He was yeah. a, a valued free agent. So it felt more like the the thing that irked me was more that it felt like they determined that they were going to waive him before they ever asked anyone if they wanted him. They I'll, were too quick to I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they probably went around the league and maybe got a little bit of interest, but not enough to actually make a trade. But something that could have maybe, you know, sweetened that deal would have been a second-round tri- second draft pick, but we traded them all. A second-round draft pick to get off a one-year relatively decent deal, I think, would have been fair. Especially to a team that could use him as, a, as an expiring option. So... So I yeah I, I I understand the value to the trade to get him. I don't necessarily know that we maximized him. Now I'm not I am not mad 
at the result. I'm just questioning whether or not we were as thorough in the process. Because to me, while the whole dead cap thing is ugly, it is like it does show that somebody understands how to manipulate these contracts to get what they want. And that is something that is appealing to me. Because there are GMs who are completely baffled by the idea of of that contract. And you know there are. Yes. I mean, I do agree. There's not a whole lot of... There should be more GMs that are open to waving and, stretch, waving and stretching like players. Well, but. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying the, the, ingenu- the ingenuity to know that you can create the space you want by getting this guy with the extra... Like, I think that is, like, point in their favor. I just don't think they tried... Like, I, I would have used that point and sold that point to someone like Charlotte. Yeah. You know, trade for him, know that you have the the option to wave and stretch in your back pocket, and then go to someone like Charlotte and offer it around. And I'm not sure that they spent enough time trying that. Because, like, yeah. you could have, whether it's Plumley or Grant, you could have, in the moratorium, promised them what you promised them. You didn't have to wave him until the end of the moratorium, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if there was a date that you had to wait. I don't think there's a... That would be the one thing I don't remember, but... I mean, it just depends on, I think, the agreed contracts and stuff like that. I don't think there's necessarily a set date that it has to be done by, oh. at least to my knowledge. Yeah, so that would be the one thing where it's like, I don't I don't quite know how they handled that, if how they handled that was... Well, because there has to be a guarantee date on the second year, too, I would think. Mm-hmm. That would be the other thing. Um, yeah. Which might have been have like the start of free agency or something like that, but mm-hmm. I don't have that right in front of me. But I imagine there's a pretty decent amount of time before that. Well, that's um, that's probably contract specific, so yeah, we may not even know. No. Nope. All right, so let's go on to the last of the trades in the end. Um, this one was a bit of a back and forth trade that went. It was one trade, and then it was another trade, and then we finally got the, I believe, final set in stone trade. But essentially. Uh, for this one, we got in cash, question mark. I saw that it was reported cash, but nothing else was reported past that. Uh, DeLon Wright and the 16th draft pick that turned into Isaiah Stewart. Um, in return, we sent out a 2021 second round draft pick, which I believe was ours. Um, the 2021 first round draft pick, which is protected, and Christian Wood in the end, um, and a sign-in trade that sent him to Houston. Um, as a whole, I mean, wasn't if you look Dylan at it, Wright something different? No, it. I wasn't believe he it ended up getting rolled from the, the Mav- Didn't he come from the Mavericks and something well, else? Technically, we got Trevor Ariza from the Rockets and sent Ariza to Oklahoma okay, that's, City that's to get Dylan Wright back. Okay. So with with these, I tried to combine them as into yeah. as few trades as possible because otherwise, right. it's like you got players who never even came here. Like, Ariza never got a jersey announcement. Okay. He was well, in that, and out. That was the step I was missing, was that he was part of the Ariza thing. Yeah. So, as a whole, I was... This is probably the trade that Pistons made that I was, like, relatively okay with. I would have liked it better if we didn't have to trade out a first-round draft pick that's going to be protected for, like, four years and has... How many... It's 20... It's, it's protected, protected for six years. Nine years? No, because it goes 2021 to 2027, and it it's, the protections drop each year. It's it's oh no, because this is the thing where James Edwards tweeted like 30 tweets trying to get this right. Yeah. Um. So it's it's top 
16 it, protected for two years, then 18 for two years, then it's like 15, 11, and 9, something like that? 13, 11, and 9, yep. 13, 11, and 9? So, so, yeah. I, mm, I just don't... <laughs> I don't like trading a first-round draft pick. I'm so happy it's protected, isolating, but boy, that's a lot isolating of away from Stewart, because I don't, we don't, neither one of us are sold yeah. on Stewart, but yeah. if, if the, you the are sold on like Stewart, then maybe that helps you. Isolating that away... I like Dallin Wright, so I'm yep. okay with that. Totally fine mm-hmm. with that. Um, it's the protections on the pick that bother me because, yeah. um, by the way, we got like $4.4 million. Whatever the max cash is is yeah. what we got for that. Daddy um, Gore's got paid. And that was supposedly because they were thinking they were going to have to waive people. And Yeah, I think it was supposed to be for a reason. So ba- basically they were going to pay for like the first year of our – dead cap was kind of the idea i think Mm -hmm. um if only that went back towards the cap (laughs) right but the question i have is they got the protections which were basically 16 and then like nine for two years or whatever Mm -hmm. uh nine or for three years i think it was 16 16 16 16 999 i think was the original one yeah um so you get the sign and trade with christian wood and you have the ability to change the protections. Mm-hmm. Changing the protections to the 18, 13, 11, 9, or whatever it is, yeah. does nothing for you. Yeah. Either you're in the lottery in those years, or you're not. Yeah. I don't not. <laughs> really care about the 14th pick in 2026. And if you have leverage to ask for something, you take years off that process i just i don't get it you know you just uh, and it, this is going to make it much harder for the pistons to move their first round pick for like seven years yep because now they be can only promise yeah. picks <laughs> inside the lottery and if you are good let's say the pistons become a contender in 2025 they can't trade their pick because nobody's going to want it because they'll know the rockets have it Mm-hmm. It's, that's useless to us. Yep. So uh, that drives me absolutely insane. That's not good GMing, and yep. it's frankly, uh, it was a it it stinks of a team that lost Christian Wood and wanted a PR win. So they said we got better protections on our pick because they know fans love picks, mm-hmm. and they wanted that press conference. They wanted someone like James to tweet it out. And in reality, it's pretty meaningless. They got like a plus, like seven overall positions total from the pick. Great job. Yeah. As a whole, I hate the protections of this pick. I hate that we traded a first round pick in the first place because I do feel like we got the 16th pick for it. And I feel like that pick is probably going to convey probably lower than that. Maybe I'm a pessimist on it, but. I feel like this is going to end up being a lottery pick, probably late lottery around 2026, 2027. That it means we got to hold on to this pick protection for that long. Ask ask the Grizzlies, ask the Kings. It sucks when you have a protected pick for that long. Because I, in in seriousness, if we if it if it if it's if we're still bad when this translates, then it's we're bad. It's 2026 and we got the 13th pick and it's protected 11th, that doesn't help us. That helps nobody. So yeah. 
I almost would have rather them be like it turns into like a top three protected one two years from now and then just be done mm-hmm. just so like it's over with and the future is is less murky I, I this is so uncomfortable it's such a long risk for no reason yeah it's like I like I like getting a first round pick I like getting DeLon right but boy the rest of it is awful it's I, and it, what I just said is is stupid on the surface of it but the not knowing the un, the inability to control your own assets is something where Weaver's basically saying and, and Stefanski too in three years, we won't care because we're not going to be here if this isn't going well. Mm-hmm. And that's as an as an this is one of the things where as an owner you should be stepping in and saying what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And we had so, like you said we had the chance to go back and revise it when right. it turned into a sign and trade for Christian Wood. At that point, we had the leverage. Yeah. We had leverage to say cut, cut the this last is three be... years off and say it turns into two seconds exactly. in twenty twenty five. Like, how are they going to complain about that? Yeah, like you're getting the, you're getting the player you want, and we're still giving you a first round draft pick. I the initial trade I thought was not great, but at least manageable. But boy, these protections! The more it came out, they were awful. And then the fact that we gave him Christian Wood in the process on a pretty relatively good deal just it was the icing on the cake for how how I dislike what Weaver's been doing over the last couple weeks and how I'm kind of left with a bad taste in my mouth despite getting, you know, one of the players in the draft that I was most excited for, getting a Killian Hayes and kind of getting a chance to rebuild. It's just stuff like this just, it just doesn't sit well with me. And that's where I think Pistons fans, a lot of them are kind of looking at it on the surface and saying, hey, we liked what they're doing. They're shaking up the roster. We're getting good young players in. But in the process, I think we're we're losing at the margins a lot in, in pretty much all of these moves. There's things that just are they don't sit right, and I don't think that's getting picked up on enough. And it worries me about the future. This is going to be the case. This is something we're going to have to deal with every year. Is we got to trade, but or we <laughs> we got rid of this contract, but I just right. don't. The butts just remind me of going back to the kind of the end of the Joe Dumars era. We know there's going to be something bad every time. No, I agree. I'm uncomfortable with the valuation, and I hope this is Stefanski stuff and that he's not with us much longer and that Troy Weaver either has better value or then somebody else is hired who has more strict valuations of players because this can't hold. Okay, so let's move on to the free agent signing. So we're going to go um, for this one in terms of value. So the most expensive one that we got, the one that I think I'm most excited for, is going to be, let me let this ambulance pass. <laughs> Jeez. You and Parks, <laughs> it's, gonna be, it's just constant ambulances. Parks is the worst. The open window with the ambulance that goes by, you feel like you're riding along with the EMT. It's the beauty of living in a city <laughs> instead of out in the woods. Must love DC sirens. Yep. So we got uh, Jeremy Grant on a three-year deal. Um, it's all guaranteed $60 million. Um, it starts out at 19. It goes up to almost $21 million. I like Jeremy Grant a lot as a player. I think he brings a lot of things to the Pistons that they needed. A lot of defense, a lot of toughness. 
I like him a lot. You're going to have to sell me on him at $20 million a year because I think that's a significant overpay. So it's an overpay. I don't think it's that significant. I. What do you think Jeremy Grant is worth? Well, what number would you have we know what he's worth. Head? We know he's worth $60 million because that's what the Nuggets offered him as well. well yeah, he just but, went without. But, you know, it's the same thing. Like, what, what was Andre Drummond worth to us versus other people? You know, that's... Yeah. What would, what would you have paid for Jeremy Grant? I would have paid somewhere in the range of like thirty-six to forty-five million. Would be somewhere give, I give think me a per year going value. like twelve to fifteen a year. Twelve. So, so let's say based on his playoff performances, fourteen. I think 15. he's a little bit better than a mid-level exception. It's kind of where I'm going with that. So, so we're saying they overpaid by five mil. Yeah. So, first and foremost. You have a guy who's gotten better every single year he's been in the league by a pretty big margin. You have a guy who has value skills, who's gotten better every year, and you overpaid him by five million bucks. Is it that inconceivable that he can make up that ground? And and he's 25, 26? I think you know, he's he can. In his, he's in his prime. Is it inconceivable? It's not inconceivable, but my thing is, what's the long-term plan with Jeremy Grant? What are you What are you looking for him at the end of his contract? So it's not inconceivable he can improve, and if he improves, it's going to be he he's able to handle the ball a little bit better in isolation. He's become a little bit more of a passer. He can run some DHOs, some handoffs. Um, he, you know, it's mostly like he's never going to be a star, but it's yeah. mostly can he handle a little bit more of like not even a secondary but a tertiary offensive role because he's a really great defensive player he's not really going to get any better defensively um and the other big weakness in his game is his rebounding that's that's the one like really horrible hole in his game but if he gets a little better as a tertiary ball handler and you're you look at him and you say a competitive team is willing to have him as their third or fourth best player at all times he's going to be worth more than 20 million he right? is, that's a, but that's I a just, twenty-five that's, that's million a dollar. That's a big player. leap for him to go from uh, just just being where he's at right now to being someone on a good team that wants to have him be their third or fourth best player. Well, fair. I think it's a pretty big jump for fair. him. Fair, but what I'm saying is that's what somebody would pay him in the open market to be their third best player. Yeah, but the thing now is, here's now here's want, the point. You got to make a trade for him too, though. That's the other thing. Well, so here's my point. That's. My my point is he could increase his market value by eight to ten million bucks by just adding a few skills around the margins. So I don't think that splitting the difference there with what you paid him is actually that insane. I mean, I don't. I think he's overpaid. I'm happy for the player. You know what? What you're what they the Pistons absolutely know that what they are paying him this year is more than what he's worth right now. Mm-hmm. They are hoping that what they are paying him in year three is worth significantly less, or at least, or at least less enough that it's considered a high value contract. I don't think that's a terrible gamble. To I don't make. think it's a terrible gamble, but my thing is, what? what why is this and, a gamble? And here's we have my to make here's my other money. thing: if the Nuggets were willing to pay him this there are going to be plenty of teams that have tony snells on their roster who are going to be willing to i think you need um about 16 million or so 
to yeah, trade for Jeremy Grant. There are going to be teams that are like, you know what? This Tony Snell, Trevor Ariza isn't cutting it. We need a Jeremy Grant. And the Pistons, even if Jeremy Grant's overpaid, the Pistons are going to be able to move him. They may not, you know, what they're hoping is that by year three, they can move him for like the 14th pick in the draft and another protected first. So, so the right. whole the thing I'm trying to say is, so we're getting him to trade him, essentially. That's that's what we're looking for, is just trying to... Absolutely. Arbitrage, value, he's valued less now than we think he's going to be in two, Absolutely. You're a rebuilding team. This is, you know, this is what you should be doing, as far as I'm concerned. And at least this is this is why I'm okay with it. If they have a different... You know, if, they, if they're signing him because they think that he's going to make them competitive they're wrong and then my logic is just the silver lining you know i i hope that's not the case i don't think it's the case most of what we've heard from like Dwayne casey has been like yeah we're gonna cram minutes into the young guys and it's like okay yeah you're tanking good (laughs) but you know that would the concern would be oh we paid him for this because we're gonna run him into the ground playing him 36 minutes a night next to blake griffin trying to make the playoffs yeah. And then you're saying we're not going to give him room to develop a role or anything, or we're not going to play him to a, you know, that would be concerning. I don't think it's that. I think what they're hoping is we just purchased an asset at a cost that's not prohibitive. You know, they if they had to trade him in January for something, I think they could get off that contract without giving up assets. I don't I think, think they're going to get. They're... I don't think they're going to get the mother load back. But here's the thing. I like the deal. I think he's overpaid a little bit, but I think he's movable at that price. My thing is, why are we going out of our way to pay twenty million for Jeremy Grant when we just got rid of a kind of a similar situation, Luke Kennard, who was a young player. He wasn't even signed to a contract yet, so we can't say if he's going to be overpaid. Well, because the the excuse for Luke Kennard is his injury history. If you don't believe yeah. that his knees are bad, you do not trade him. There's absolutely no excusing that trade if you don't believe his injuries. I agree. Like, the injuries are the only thing that's holding Luke Kennard back at the moment in terms of value, but I'm just committing committing that money on a team where you're still not sure what you're going to be getting out of him and you're hoping to pretty much just flip him in two years. I'm just... I'm not sure if that is the best use of cap space. When you can, well, at, the other t- at the other side, just... Hold on so to you can you can just hold off way. and absorb assets. What did yeah. just absorbing assets get us this year? I would argue that we didn't do a great job of absorbing assets. We got two first round picks, technically. Technically, and we paid a lot to get off stuff. I, I would argue. I would argue did, for just straight using cap space, we got the 16th pick. That's what it and, essentially got. Um, and Delon Wright, technically. And I guess Delon Wright. And like, okay, so that's fine, but Delon Wright's also nine million dollars, right? Yes. So like, we didn't. How much cap space did we gain? Did we did we gain cap space? You can always turn around and flip Delon Wright later. Jeremy, the the cap space you get is going to be from a contender trying to do a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So if you get a first round pick back, it's going to be the twenty fifth pick. Now you could get. You know, if you clear some crazy amount of cap space and you take on John Wall's contract, right? You just you just absorb something crazy. You could get like three first round picks for it that are all, but they're all going to be bad picks, presumably. Not going to be 
farther in the future probably with those. Whereas but the idea with Jeremy mainly, Grant is you are basically taking on dead cap money for an asset well, that you think you can flip into two first-round picks that are good. Right? That's that's the hope, is that you're turning Jeremy Grant into potential lottery picks. That, that, that I think is what you're hoping for, but I don't think it's a guarantee. And the thing that I think is... It's it's not a guarantee, but neither is... The opportunity, the opportunity cost isn't actually that the, crazy. The opportunity cost that we have is that we are pretty much cap-locked for next year. And next year is supposed to be a free agent bonanza where there's probably going to be picks going crazy to teams that have cap space that aren't going to sign any of these free agents. But there are also That's a the lot thing of, I haven't seen the re- anyone talk about. But the about. reason it's a free agent bonanza is that a lot of teams are going to have more space. They're going to have more space as well, but there's still going to have to be teams and we, that move and stuff we will have so space stars. to no, do stuff. No, we will not. If we denounce Derek Rose and Svee and Rodney McGruber and any other like major cap hold, we're going to have at max $12.5 million. And that's not even including someone like Svee, who you might want to re-sign. Or if Musa's halfway decent, you want to re-sign him as well. There's a lot of... There's not a whole lot of cap space that we have available for next year, and it's mainly because of this deal. So but you have the Jeremy ability to, to be trade someone like Jeremy year. Grant for space easily. You can, if if the NBA has taught us any lessons, it's that we can create space anytime we want. And one of the valuable things about that is being the team that has the space that can fit but, in contracts, and we don't but have that. We ability can right do now. it. You can move Jeremy Grant. For a profit, it's not going to be a slam dunk profit, but you can move him for a profit and create space to do something else. That's available. If that's the case, and you got to do that right now, you got to do that by the end of this trade deadline because next offseason, what team is going to be wanting wanting to take Jeremy Grant on and not just get whatever? Jeremy Grant's a good player. Teams are take this, that this, this is going to be bad teams that are going to take you that on. You can't assume that Jeremy Grant is a dead contract. You can't. You can't. I'm not saying everyone it's dead wants contract, to assume. But I'm that saying the, it's going to be bad teams that are going to have the cap space. Anything they want. And they. It's going to be the bad teams. This is the what's what's the is it Family Guy that is the box in the boat thing, and they're like, "What's in the box? It could be a boat." Oh yeah. And it's like, we have the boat. We have the asset that is a good player. And, like, it could be that Jeremy Grant lasts to the end of his contract and the Pistons keep him because he's fantastic and part of the young core. And, that you know, like, hope. that's a possibility. But you have the boat. You have the thing that is probably worth assets. You know, the thing that should be worth assets controlled for a period of time. That is what you hope that the cap space gets you. And you just secured it while also just providing something that makes your team functionally better. That to me is good GMing. The idea that we're because the idea of just bottoming out and absorbing a whole bunch of terrible shit is not helpful to the team to grow. And I think that I I rate and this, and we get to this with Plumley here too. I rate the ability to support the team so much higher than most of our fellow fans. You know, the idea of having a legitimate rotation around Killian Hayes is huge to me. Even if it means that we're three spots higher in the draft than we were if we just hard tanked, which, I mean, it, that's all lottery luck anyway. But even if somehow that's the consequence, player development is so much more important than that. I agree, and I don't want the team to just full-on tank, but I'm saying the cap space and not being entirely cap-locked for two years is very important, especially on a team that could just hold on to contracts the way that you've and, seen and, the, the and Thunder be able to flip contracts. I think... 
Jeremy Grant's taking a bullet for some other stuff because I think the the more concerning thing is Josh Jackson not having an option. Like that's oh, yeah. why are we why are we, we can get down to that as well? For, that was his contract is wild. You know why are we? <laughs> Like, we know. can jump to that right now. Like, why is Josh Jackson getting ten million dollars guaranteed? I don't know. I why is I, it two I like, years? I like guaranteed? having Josh Jackson on the roster. I think I, I think like he's him. An interesting player to bring in. Yada yada yada. That should be an option. I like him for five million total. I don't over two right. years. I, I don't. I, I don't care. I don't care about the five million. Little things. I, like, I actually don't care about that price tag. I care that it's locked. That price in tag isn't year. bad. It's just more. Yeah, it's locked in. It's who is guaranteeing? Who else is guaranteeing Josh Jackson? Ten million dollars. I don't. I don't think that that's like I like Josh Jackson. Crazy. I, think he's I don't. Good I don't at, like. I think. I think it's a good person to get a gamble on. I'm okay with that money, but it's just. I. It should have been an option. Yeah. And if Josh yeah. Jackson isn't willing to take a team option there, don't sign yeah, Josh Jackson. Exactly. That's kind of the point I'm making. Is that we're giving him all this money that no one else is offering him. What are we getting in like, return? I, for I don't. This? I don't think you had leverage Where's to offer him guaranteed? two million guaranteed. Like, yeah. well, you know, per year, but I. It should have been an option. Well, the $5 million was to get him to come here the first night versus waiting to see whether their offers come out there. But that is where I think, yeah, there should be some kind of guarantee or something like that. And I'm fine with the money because it's just, I believe it's just a room exception we signed him with anyways. So yeah, it's the full, it's the the money full to give room to exception. So it's like we had the money to give to him. It's not that I'm mad about the number. I'm just saying who else is giving him that number and why are we not getting, you know, a non-guaranteed I, I think he could have gotten that guarantee. number front. Like I think Josh Jackson showed I, enough last year that there are going to be teams looking for wing depth saying, yes, we'll give you half the MLE or our ex- or some exception, you know, a biannual, whatever. You know, they'll give you around that number because they need, you know, wing depth. Like someone like a, a I don't know, Portland, you know, I, desperately needs some wing depth. I don't know what exceptions they have available, but a team like that is I think going to look a at team like say, that would be going you for can a defend. more sure thing than a Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson, I think, is a very much still an unknown in the league. And while I like him on a team like the Pistons... He's, he's unknown, on that but there. also he was... Like, there are not a lot of other options. I mean, no, there's not. He does fill a need like in a Josh, lot of NBA teams. But there's a reason the why he was in the G least, League last year. At the very least, you know, year. Josh Jackson's going to be able to shoot and do some playmaking. Like, it's it's been... I think it's been confirmed that if you put him in an, orga- in an organization that knows what they're doing and holds him accountable, you know, doesn't let him stray like the Suns did... You're gonna get at least a, a reasonable mid bench player, I, so I I don't I don't think that's egregious. I, I think I think he had probably enough I leverage. Egregious, to ask but I think for it's that another moment, example again, of somewhere I think it could we have been agree better. It should have been an option, and if it's not an option, you don't sign him because he's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing moving to Plumley. I really like the Mason Plumley signing. I really like this. I think he's gonna be so good. For Killian Hayes, he made Dame Lillard, who Dame Lillard is today, playing with Plumlee was was huge for his development. Why is Plumlee getting three years guaranteed with a trade kicker? Yeah, the trade kicker, a is trade a wild kicker. thing. Because initially, I was defending it, saying you can get off Mason Plumlee. Might take a second round pick. You might have to give up some. You know, you might have to throw in Davidas Servidas or Zanin Musa to someone as a here have a young kid you know you might have to do something but if you had to get off eight million dollars you could now you can't because it's going to cost you 12 Mm -hmm. what the hell yep that was another example of why like why is that they're in there why why did we need to put that in to get denver's backcourt i like mason Plumlee, and i know you made a lot of good points about how good he's going to be for killing hayes's development but why are we 
making Mason Plumley untradeable when we already had Dwayne Dedman, who we could possibly trade, who was on a non-guaranteed deal and would be pretty useful this offseason or at this trade deadline, where or even in the offseason I think as well. I, I don't where you could trade him to a team that needs the cap space. And I don't think he would have been function. I don't think he would have been as useful this offseason. I have to imagine that you can't get away with this well, wave and stretch thing the same way. But it wouldn't be the wave and stretch thing. But he had, if I remember correctly, he had a non guaranteed contract for next right. year. So what you could do is you could trade him for I someone guess, of I guess money. He is just basically and then wave him at, at that point. But yeah. It's especially expiring where you can just trade him for someone and immediately wave him before. I would have to check and see what the guarantee dates were, but I'd imagine it'd be before free agency. But just, it is one of those things. Plumley should have gotten, there should be options here. I will say this. Um, somebody, and I couldn't find the tweet earlier. I looked for it. Somebody basically said, here's my AI, you know, machine learned contracts uh, mm-hmm. thing. And they, and oh, yeah. Uh, it was on Duncan Smith's timeline is how I found it. But yeah, they were like, here's what we expected for all these guys. And most of it, you know, is is pretty standard. People mostly fall in line, and that's what you expect from these things. And they were like, you know, here's Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant got more than we expected, and we talked about that earlier, why we think that is, why I think mm-hmm. that is. Um, and then oh, they I, go, I here's, here's Mason Plumley. Plumley, sh- they expected to get a one-year veteran minimum. And he was like, that's strange. He got $8 million. And he said, well, I plugged in that the contract length must be $3 million. Now, what do you think it's going to be? An editor's note here. I meant to say three years, but I'm an idiot. So continue. And the AI spat out about $8 bucks. And the reason for that is that it expected him to sign with a contender, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what it's expecting. And it says if you're signing with a bad team, you're going to get paid real money. You're not yep. taking a discount. And if you're not taking the discount, his market value is $8 million. So yep. I, Look at Robin Lopez on the Wizards, who got paid $7.3 Right, and we, and we look around and we say, you know what, actually a whole bunch of other centers, and like Robin Lopez was among the worst centers in the league last year. His numbers are terrifyingly bad. Yeah, I was um, not exactly excited about that signing, especially when I saw the cost. Yeah. <laughs> so you look around the league and like Plumlee's probably the best paid of the middle rotation centers but like the rest of them are like seven million six and a half and it's like okay i'm actually totally fine with eight million i don't think that's egregious at all again i think the flex the lack of flexibility is more concerning yeah i I agree and if he's a player you'd like i understand you know signing him to that number i feel like it's a little bit of an overpay but nothing too egregious it's eight million it's not impossible to move and get rid of um but shout outs to hermy or at herman pro on twitter who asked this question like what is the stretching these contracts provided us and i think it's jeremy grant a little bit i'm still not exactly sure on the exact exact cap flexibility on that but you're getting jeremy grant and also mason Plumley with that money that we stretched and i i'd kind of like having the flexibility of a Dwayne deadman who was a good solid veteran that you got essentially paid uh, not really paid you you got him in exchange for a tony snell and I'd like to see him used as more of an asset than just waved and stretched immediately so we can sign Mason Plumley to do a similar well, role. Let's, let's say they're different players, but they're going to be in similar roles. Um, there's only one extra year here stretching. Let's say that we said we traded Tony Snell for Mason Plumley straight up. That's that's kind of how the money balances out. Would you have <laughs> been that years mad? of it. <laughs> you know, and, and like Plumley basically has Snell's contracts. Would you have been mad at that trade? Because I wouldn't have been, personally. 
I would depend total, a lot more would, on the roster since they're in different positions, but I mean, I would have been totally that okay in itself. That. I wouldn't have hated. But this is another example of if we got a second round pick, I'd be more okay with it. Or if we kept Dwayne Dedman, used him, tried to trade him at the deadline or trade him in the offseason where I thought he'd be much more valuable than it was right now. And this is the small things that I just haven't liked about this front office is so, we bring in again, Dwayne Dedman and we wave him before we get a chance to get value from him. Again, I agree with you. I don't love the values. I just want to point out, I don't actually think this dead cap, you know, dead cap is a bad word. <laughs> It's a curse word, and we don't like well, saying it. The thing it. is, there's, it's there's only a limited that. amount of cap space. Like, in, in actuality, it's going to be $4 million in total It's not, or each year. It's not an insane amount of money. But when you get down to these kind of, like, small little bit of cap maneuverings, it does make a difference. That's a difference it, between offering someone $16 million and $12 million if you're close did, to that it, cap space. It does. It's also it's basically you can say that Mason Plumlee made an $11 million contract. Which is not making it any better. It it doesn't make it, but it's also not egregious. And I just want to point that out that like, the rea- the the spectrum of the reactions need to be pulled in closer to the middle than where they are. For me, with a young team that's not going to contend, I don't know why we're slowly but surely limiting this cap flexibility five years in advance to go out and sign Mason Plumley when we already have Dwayne Dedman. We're limiting it four years, three years in advance, really three three seasons from now. And the big thing is. I think Blake's it's, I think not going to be here by then. They stretched it. It's it's over five years because it's times two, and it was a two-year contract. That's where they got Dwayne Dedman, so you can stretch it over two or two contracts instead of just right, but, one. But you that so is not a consequence. That number is inconsequential. It's Jeremy Grant's numbers, Plumley's numbers. You know that's what's out there in three, four years. That's that's what's going to prohibit you from doing anything. You know, you well, can yeah, roll Jeremy you Grant's can roll the dead cap numbers in into their salaries to kind of, you know, make it feel. That doesn't make it any better when we already said they're already a little bit overpaid. Well, so my point is, you can roll the dead cap numbers and be like, okay, Mason Plumley's sitting on the books for twelve million, or eleven million, or whatever it it adds up to be. Yeah. What the the point though is like by twenty twenty three, it's all gone, which is fine. That's fine. Like I said, I'm pretty sure it's over. It's going to be stretched over five years. Well, I, I'm pretty again, positive Dwayne Dedman I don't is. care about the $2 million in the books. Because if the Pistons are but, still capped out after Blake is gone, that's... Well, the actuality is we're always going to be close to the cap. That's how basketball teams work. There's the, right now, right now you don't have... Killian Hayes is the guy that you would predict to be worth an extension, right? So if you, if, you, if you have I mean, a guy <laughs> who's going to come in and be worth big money, it's Seku or Killian is going to be worth, you know, some rookie max, some, they got an all-star. That doesn't happen till 2024 at the earliest. Well, 2023 for Seku, but yeah, 2024 for Killian. Well, so the, the, if, it, if it happens for Seku, it would happen in the 2023-2024 season. Is, yeah. So that's the column I'm looking at in our spreadsheet. So yeah. The the point is, over the next two years, the cap our cap sheet is going to be reset. There's going to be dead cap on it. That dead cap number is inconsequential but to how they build the team. We're also going to sign more deals. That's the point I'm trying to make. There's yes, we're going to lose. Blake sure, Griffin's we will contract, sign. But we will sign more deals, deals, and we're going to be back where we started. <laughs> but are those but are those deals going to be prohibitive? If those deals are, we sign some dude for eight million here, some dude for twelve million here. You know, if there if we don't sign Blake Griffin money. Those aren't going to be prohibitive deals, right? A cap sheet being, f- you know, the cap sheet being full in large part is not 
a problem. You know, even not if even if somebody no. says we have dead money, what you say is we have valuable players. We have, you know, uh, a Tony Snell as an example or a Trevor Ariza. You know, so we have this guy. You give us your dead money. We'll give you a rotation NBA player. You don't want that rotation NBA player? We've got three more rotation NBA players we aren't emotionally attached to. Sure, our cap sheet is filled, but it's filled with things that we can trade. That's that's how you're supposed to use a cap sheet. That's what OKC is doing. I think I think you're focusing too much on the dead money in terms of this. And I'm looking at it more, I can have Dwayne Dedman for one year, and then you have his non-guaranteed contract, which I believe is a trade asset, either at this trade deadline or going to next offseason. How much money, how much money do we have next year? How much money did you say we have next year? Next year we have, with all the contracts we have, we're currently at like just under thirteen million. Cool. So with Dwayne De- with Dwayne Dedman gone, we have Sweet. like twenty million. If you if you include the cap holds for Sweden, Derek Rose, you're that's it. That's your cap space. Cool. That's not really enough to take on the craziest of contracts. Like I, I don't think you know it's it's okay. You can take on another eight million dollar dead weight cap thing. Cool. That's that's a second round pick. It's it's not that money isn't worth crazy stuff. And what I'm saying is, sure, our next year our cap sheet doesn't look great. Next year our cap sheet doesn't look great because Blake Griffin's going to make thirty nine million dollars. No, I agree. He's taking up nearly a third of the cap space. Or and over the, a third and of the, the thing space. is, yes, they've got our cap sheet filled out. Our cap sheet isn't filled out past three years. That to not, me no. that's a pretty reasonable agree. timeline to say, hey, we're going to try and turn all this dead weight into functional assets in three years. And again, this is me saying this is the strategy you should be going with. If they don't do that, I'm not going to support those moves. I feel like, <laughs> I have, you know, if, I if, feel like I'm if, not as optimistic about if that what, as you are. If, I feel like they're, it's going to be you're, very You're similar. not op- optimistic. And what I'm saying is I am, I'm not saying I'm necessarily optimistic that it's all going to go right. I'm saying this is the pathway. This is what yeah. a good team does with these assets. This team needs, you know, these guys need to be better at valuing these assets. No question. They need to get more for our assets. They need to be better at protecting the cap sheet. That said, these consequences that everybody is scared of aren't there yet. And we need to stop being scared by ghosts that aren't in the room. Well, I think a lot of the Pistons fans have a lot of experience with bad ghosts. (laughs) If If in two years we have a cap sheet that's got, you know, three Jeremy Grant contracts on it and they haven't panned out, you fire the 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 front office <laughs> because yeah. they fucked it up and i'm gonna be right there saying they fucked it up if and that's not that's the what case I'm gonna say right now i just it's I not the see case see a lot of bad trends and stuff like that that i i feel like are stuff that we didn't need to do and that's I, my final point is i I'd, don't disagree i i also don't think the assets we had were as valuable as we wished they were no i mean it's evident from the moves that we made they're not at the very least we're not fetching the value that we thought they should be but again, I don't like Ed Stefanski. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make this very clear. Ed came in glad-handing, and he's going to leave here glad-handing, and Ed's career is going to be fine, whether or not the Pistons are good, and I don't like that. Yeah. So, to sum up for Hermie, uh, stretching provided us with the Denver Nuggets backup front court. So, that's essentially what it is. Uh, moving on to some other deals before we get more entrenched in that again. We already talked about Josh Jackson. Another... Uh, prospect and a deal that i didn't hate was jaleel okafor for two years uh four million guaranteed i hated this i don't i mean i don't i don't think he's gonna pan out but i you're taking a i don't know why it's also two years guaranteed as well 
Yeah, it's the same thing as Josh Jackson. Now, why is it to get two guaranteed years? If you didn't have if you didn't have leverage sheet a team option, if somebody else was offering him this contract, you let them offer him this contract, and you keep Tony Bradley. Yeah, well, I think you. (laughs) I think we could. Like, Tony Bradley from the start. This, this is another, this is another one of those things where I look at it and I go, okay, if I like Jaleel Okafor, how do I feel about this? And I guess you feel okay. I don't like Jaleel Okafor. I don't think he has a place in today's NBA. It's too bad for Jaleel. I don't know why he's not in Spain getting paid. I don't get I that. Mean, he got paid $4 million to here, so that's not bad money. But the thing I like about it is just taking a flyer on a young guy who he had high pedigree, went to Duke, drafted high, hasn't panned out. Obviously, but it's the same. Jo- logic take a chance, as Josh maybe Jackson. something works. It's it's, yeah. it's it, and it's it's, it's frankly it's the same it logic too. as Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's just better, way more expensive on it. It's the same logic that was used for Christian Wood, and this is in Christian Wood is why they're less reticent to give him the second year because they want you know if something pays off they want leverage. Yep. But again, we're not make it an option. Why are these not options? Mm-hmm. <laughs> With someone like Jeremy Grant, I get why Jeremy Grant didn't get an option. Jeremy Grant has way more leverage than something. Plumley, I get why he doesn't have an option. Don't get why he doesn't have a trade kicker. Don't get that at all. Don't. don't, The trade kicker made absolutely zero sense. That really just left the worst taste in my mouth on that. All right, so move on. Finishing moves. We signed Wayne Ellington to a one-year vet minimum contract that comes out to about $2.6 million. This... Might have been one of my, besides probably Jeremy Grant, this is probably one of my favorite contracts we signed. I love getting a good veteran, a good locker room presence at a cheap value. So I feel like you're getting some of these players that are veterans that get lopped off to you, except for this case you're choosing it. You know the guy you're bringing in. He's going to be a good locker room presence. It's going to be something good for the young people to learn from. I, I love this deal. This is, this is what teams should be making. I like this more than I like Mason Plumley. He's also the perfect veteran in that even if Dwayne Casey plays him because he wants to win, Wayne Ellington is secretly not good. And when I say secretly, I mean he's <laughs> not good in a way where he plays the right way but isn't good at it. So, yeah. like, he's a shooter. He's a very good shooter. He takes a lot of tough shots. He makes them at a higher-than-average rate. But because he takes a lot of tough shots, he only makes them at, like, 35%. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. <laughs> That's excellent yep. value for shooting. He's a guy who's in the right place a lot defensively, but he's not a good defender. That's great. Yep. Show the kids what to do and what not to do all at once. Great stuff. Yep. Love that. This is the one deal I don't think anyone can have any disagreements with. He's perfect for what the Pistons need. I don't know. Eli was very, very angry at us getting a not good shooter. That was a very <laughs> funny take. <laughs> All that Eli have is on the little island <laughs> over there. That was a terrible take. <laughs> it's about time he was on his own for a take. <laughs> um, And then closing out the last move that I believe we made, and I'm still not quite sure what all is going on because we have 16 players from my count. And I don't know how exactly that's working. Someone, I think, someone's going to give it a two-way here somehow. Yeah, someone's going to have to have something converted to a two-way. Yep, and I think it's going to be Davidas Servidas. I got it right. Close enough. That's pretty good. It's a, it's, it's like Davidas. Davidas. Davidas Servidas. Like Davidas. I like the Servidas. I got that one down. You got Servidas. Good. (laughs) Davidas. Yeah. So we signed him to a three-year, four-point-two million-dollar deal with a team option at the end. It's a good. It's a young player on. Just a flyer deal. 
I don't know if he's going to stick with the team. I don't know what's really going on with this, but well, I liked it. So this is this was interesting because they signed him to. So he is their draft pick, so they can sign him over the cap a little bit, etc. So that was fine. Um, mm-hmm. That's why he's last and everything. Um, I like the the length of the deal. Having two years means that they don't like they won't feel compelled to just get rid of him if he's bad this year. And I think he still needs yeah. like a year of growth. So like I wouldn't like, mind if it was a two-year team option, like in the second and third year, which you see with a lot of second-round draft picks, but well, I was fine I, with it. I like the way this is structured and that it incentivizes the team to give him a chance next year. Mm-hmm. without Because t- like I, I think he needs that kind of assurance because he needs to be like in an NBA weight room for a little bit. He needs to spend a year in the G League. I, I've said before, I really like the tool set he has. I think he's a really fun player. He's just not physically ready yet, and this gives him an excuse to take the time he needs, and I appreciate that. It is weird whatever is going to happen with the roster. I don't know if this means they're going to stretch Musa. I don't know if it means they're going to yeah. do something to Magruder. I, I mean, they can always send someone somewhere else. So it's You not, can always flip someone, and maybe that happens. Musa's got a team option next year. Maybe yep. there's something you can do to convert him into a two. I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't works. know how all that works. I've never really quite understood how the two-way contracts work. So um, I'd imagine Servitas, I, I don't think he'd be able to since he just got signed to if, a contract. If he signed a three-year contract, it's a three-year contract. Two ways are one yeah. year. So I, yeah, I don't think, I don't know how he'd get converted to that. Yeah, I don't. And then, of course, we have Leangelo Ball, who we signed today, and I still don't know what the hell's going on there. So that's just an Exhibit 10. That's basically a summer league contract. Yeah, essentially, from what I've heard, it sounds like he's just going to be in the G League team. Right. So, so the, ex- the, the exhibit it. ten gives us his rights. Yeah. And it would it's normally what they use to sign summer league players, and it means that when the G League draft happens, he will go to the G League yeah. team. The so. we the phrasing of the initial Shams tweet was weird because it was they were like, oh, it's a it's a one year non guaranteed deal. Yeah, I know. I saw that first. And like. Huh? <laughs> Normally, when you use that language, we're talking about deals. We've seen this in the past where, like, if a player gets cut halfway through the season, the rest of their salary is void, and there's, like, four cut points. They do that Mm -hmm. every now and then. So it was just weird phrasing. But, yeah, the the Leandro Ball thing is the real problem with that is that they've signed a ball, brother. I could have done without that. but Brought the circus into town. um, Yeah, he's not going to be on the roster or anything. This isn't a G League podcast right now, so we don't really have to worry about it. Yep. All right, anything else we got? I think this is about it. Um, no, I'm sad. Probably, I had soccer takes to throw at parks, but he I backed out. I probably throw a soccer podcast in at some point. I don't imagine we're going to talk unless anything big happens until the start of the regular season. I don't want to do a whole we soccer podcast. That would mean I have to talk about Arsenal. <laughs> well, I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm already sad enough with the Pistons. Yeah. You just got to find another team. Like, I'm jumping on the Wizards. Man, I picked Arsenal because they were a top six team. They were supposed to not make me sad. Yeah, I didn't really my, sell you. My official really thing when I picked one. Premier League teams was I am a Detroit sports fan. I deserve one good thing in my life. I'm going to pick a good team. And then Arsene Wenger leaves, and it all goes to shit. Yep. And then my son Thomas Partey gets See, hurt. We bring in with the pretty soccer. <laughs> we bring in with the pretty soccer. It, 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 and then we lose. Man, it was like a 5-2 drubbing of Everton, Lacazette's like third game with the team. It was glorious. You had me sold. And then and then this. Well, hopefully we get another FA. What I'm saying is that I'm the reason all Comfort these teams suck. Clearly. I'm the common denominator. Obviously. 
No. Wait a minute. I'm going to leave that one out of this. We could talk for another You're the hours common denominator. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Have you seen Michigan State football over the last couple of years? Yeah. Well, not the last couple of years. You suck. Uh, prior to the last couple. <laughs> I meant to say prior to the last couple of Michi- years. Michigan also sucks, so we, it's we, a push there. When I was in school there, we did a, we did a lot of good things. But you We suck. made it to the college football playoff. We won a Rose Bowl. We won a Cotton Bowl. We won a couple Big Ten championships. We, we've been pretty good. I but the complain. problem is that even though I'm a Michigan fan, I generally root for MSU in most things, so the, the logic is broken. Yeah. Well, you're rooting, but... It's not the same. We need to find the Rutgers Pistons Arsenal fan. Oh God, that's the that guy's the problem. There's some poor sap that moved to whatever the accounting firm is like, is like KPMG or whatever that's downtown Detroit. He like moved from New Jersey, went to school at Rutgers, like has been living in Detroit for a couple of years. Fan of all the teams. That guy exists somewhere, okay. and he's having a hell of a life. I'd love to have him on the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't want to be here, but I'd love to have so. him on. I don't think so. You can get much worse. All right. Before this goes any longer, signing off. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. See ya. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.